Welcome to the Informed Data Podcast. Sydney Landis here, and joining me today is Matt Hodges, our Director of Continuous Improvement. Um, for those of you listening, just a little bit of intro information about Matt. Matt's been with the company for 11 years. He was Director of Quality for nine years for what was then SJV Data Solutions, and now is our Director of Continuous Improvement at Informed Data. So we're super excited to be sharing more about our Continuous Improvement Department today. Um, thanks for joining me, Matt. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, to start off, um, tell us about the Continuous Improvement Mission Statement and a little bit about it. Yeah. So, you know, here at Informed Data, our mission statement uh, for the Continuous Improvement Department really is to drive a culture of continuous improvement. Um, and that's kind of, you know, a fairly short mission statement, but it really has a lot uh, kind of wrapped into there, right? So, you know, everything from um, eliminating waste to improving quality and, and kind of everything in between is kind of what we're all about. But really, it's, it's trying to instill that culture in the company so that everyone is thinking um, in terms of continuous improvement. Yeah. Um I know that you mentioned, or I've heard you mention before, the kind of like ultimate goal is to continuously improve so that we're providing like the best service and product to our clients. So kind of all about that client focus, um, which isn't mm -hmm. just a continuous improvement thing, right? It's like a company culture um, that we try to enforce throughout the organization. Yeah. I mean, ultimately everything we do is, is for our clients, you know, and so we're trying to uh, we're trying to improve time service. We're trying to decrease defects, but we're even trying to do things like, you know, increase the um, or improve the experience that clients have when they reach out to us, uh, when we interact with them for any number of reasons. So it really does kind of all, you know, funnel down to the client. Yeah, for sure. Um, so continuous improvement and quality are very similar to an extent. So um, Prior to the merger on the SJV side, continuous improvement was actually housed under the quality department, mm -hmm. um, which you were in charge of at that time. And then yep. it broke off into its own department. And often people ask, how are they different? So what really sets continuous improvement apart from quality? Um, so I would probably say here at Inform Data, quality really focuses a lot on defect. Uh, the management of defects, the elimination of defects, the tracking of defects. The continuous improvement department really focuses a bit more on lean methodology. So, you know, from the Lean Six Sigma discipline, we're really focusing a lot on lean, um, which is more about efficiencies and really reducing uh, all kinds of different waste. So, you know, there's... Um, a whole variety of different kinds of waste or non-value added steps um, or non-value added activities that we're trying to identify and eliminate ultimately to improve the service. And that can benefit, you know, in um, better accuracy, right, or higher or lower defect rates. But it can also uh, result in other things like faster time service or even a more economical product. So, Really, we're focusing on lean methodology, um, principles from lean manufacturing and lean man and lean for service organizations, and trying to really kind of weave them into the to the fabric of the organization. 
Yeah. Um, I remember hearing about lean a lot and I agree that the most important aspect of that is eliminating those non-value steps. Um, I know that we often find the more steps to a process, especially the more unnecessary steps, the more room there is for error. Um, and then like you mentioned, by eliminating those steps, the process becomes faster and then by extension, possibly even more cost-effective as well. Yeah, it's actually really fun to take a process and whittle it down to the necessary steps and kind of leave everything else behind because complexity really is kind of the the enemy of everything that our clients want. You know, um, if we can reduce the complexity, make things more simple, generally it flows faster. It's less prone to defects, and we can offer it at a at a more economical price because there's less you know going into it. So. A lot of it is just stripping away unnecessary complexity um, of these different systems or these different processes. And kind of ultimately the goal, uh, you know, is just a better experience for the client. Yeah. Um, Not only better outcome for our clients, but also better internally too. Like it's less convoluted for all the parties involved. Sure. Easier Um, to understand. um, Yeah. less, Less stressful, less prone to error. For sure. Yeah. So as far as the difference between um, continuous improvement and quality, basically the same kind of like customer focused mission, but the ultimate goal being to provide the best service possible to our clients, just kind of achieving that in different ways using different methods. Yeah. And we do work closely with our quality department as well. Yeah. I was going to mention that too. Um, Even though it's broken up now, I'm sure that you both um, work closely together because of the similarities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Awesome. So tell us about the three continuous improvement pillars and their functions. Yeah, so it it informed data really the first, I would say, so our continuous improvement department is kind of broken up into subsections. So first, really, there's data analysis, and we have some people who are dedicated to um, really gathering and analyzing data, making data understandable or digestible. And that's where a lot of our projects and a lot of our efforts stem from because we look at the data. The data gives us direction and then it helps us to understand like where do we need to focus, right? So um, data analytics is a big part. We also support other parts of the organization with data and data analysis. Um, Kind of the next one is our business process team. So this is a, a really talented group of folks that really understand how everything works in the business, if that makes sense. So um, they understand all the processes. So we have data informing uh, informing us, and then we have people that understand how all the different processes interact. And I can, like, it can get pretty, uh, I don't want to say convoluted, but it can get complicated, right? Yeah. Um, and then we have our project management team um, that also leads the I would guess I would call it our scouting function. So sending people out to different courts to diagnose issues or diagnose problems, working with other departments. So um, that team is also under a a really talented manager and they really take on a lot of the management of the continuous improvement projects. But really the data analysis team, business process team, the project management team, and myself, we all kind of... um, work together to, you know, move the ball down the field and and get it to the end zone, so to speak. Yeah. I think all three independently are really important, but like 
kind of combining all of those efforts into one can have some really great impacts. Um, I know just from my past experience in operations, I think the data analysis is something that personally I think is super crucial because um, somebody maybe in like client services might need important data to improve their client's experience or whatever it may be, um, but they may not have the skills to get that information efficiently. Um, so that's kind of where CI steps in. And the data that I've seen y'all get is so helpful um, because, you know, you can build it into the fancy dashboards with the cool graphs and it just makes it easy. Like at the touch of a button, you have like all the information you may need um, to move forward. Yeah, that's that was really one of our big goals starting out this year was to make information. We've, we've been calling it, you know, more digestible. Yeah. But, um, you know, there, there really is a big difference between a spreadsheet with hundreds of thousands of rows and, uh, you know, looking at that or looking at some graphs and charts that illustrate the, the points you're trying to make. And so um, making information understandable and boiling it down to kind of its, its key components and putting that in things that the entire organization or our clients, to be honest, um, can see is, is certainly like a, a big part of what we're doing in the data analytics. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you mentioned scouting. So for those of you listening, um, Matt and Wade Hudson, our director of operations, recently did some scouting of their own in several courts um, throughout California. So if you're listening and interested in hearing more about that, uh, be on the lookout for a podcast in the next couple of weeks about their findings. Um, so moving on to the next topic, um, DART. Tell us about our DART system and how it uses readily available data to ensure quality of our results. Sure. So DART, um, it was kind of like our 2020 or it is our 2022 flagship uh, project. We started development of it actually last year. Um, what it stands for is Data Anomaly Reporting Tool. And what we really wanted to do and one of our primary goals was to be more proactive and much less reactive. Yeah. Um, and so we did a, a pretty big study of, of tons of data and, and things that either had not gone right or things that we um, would have liked to get out in front of or issues that could have occurred that we could have, uh, you know, potentially prevented. And what we basically did is built a software tool um, called, you know, DART, Data Anomaly Reporting Tool, and it does just that. It looks for anomalies in the data. So we have the ability to program in any number of parameters and it will actively scan the database on a kind of an ongoing and constant basis and alert us whenever there's something that looks, you know, weird or yeah. strange. So a good example would be like, you know, let's say we have a record of, um, or we receive a result and it says murder. The guy is convicted murderer, but it only has probation, like three months probation. Well. Dart would know, hey, this looks weird. Murder um, probably shouldn't have only probation. There should be associated prison sentencing, right? Yep. And so what that can do is raise a red flag and say, hey, can someone take a look at this search? Um, same thing on a on a, I guess, more grand or larger scale. For example, what if? And and really, we took the what if approach to building it. Um, we said, what if this happened? What if that happened, right? So we said, like, what if all of a sudden we our hit rate dropped to zero in a certain jurisdiction? 
uh, it hasn't happened, but we live kind of in a world of what ifs when you're trying to yeah. prevent stuff. And so we said, well, let's build, let's tune Dart to look and, and alert us the second that were to happen, right? So if certain things, certain anomalies, certain patterns present themselves in our data, then we'll be able to essentially, um, it alerts us automatically and we can dive into it before it becomes a problem for the client, which yeah. kind of at the end of the day is the whole point, you know? Yes. Um, what I love about the Dart system is that it's so customizable. Um, like you mentioned, it can look for like any combination of factors, any data points, really like anything you can think of that could potentially cause an issue. Um, it's like the opportunities are like almost endless, really, to get ahead of those potential problems. Yeah. And, and it's also very good for like service level agreement monitoring. If we have an SLA with a client and certain metrics can't go above or below any certain given number, we can program those in and say, hey, alert me if we're approaching, you know, the violation of a, of a service level agreement so that we don't have to, at the end of every month, run a bunch of manual reports. We can address issues mid-month or, you know, before it becomes a violation of an SLA. So SLA monitoring is something that we also do kind of from the continuous improvement department. Right. Um, and DART helps us do that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I don't think I mentioned this yet, but Matt and I used to work in quality together. Um, and when I used to be in quality, uh, it, this DART system really made me feel at ease um, because, you know, you kind of always have in the back of your head, like, what if something's going wrong right now? And I just don't know. Um, and you may not know until X amount of time later. And then, you know, quality manager and and you as well, being the director of quality at the time would have had to clean it up and correct it and everything. Um, so it, it really does help on the proactive side of things. Yeah, for sure. It definitely gives you, you know, a little bit extra security when you go to sleep at night, knowing like, yes, I might be sleeping, but okay, the system is looking for, this program is actually looking for anything weird. It'll let me know if it finds yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. Um, alrighty. So doing data work, what are some insights you've learned from gathering and analyzing data? Um, you know, I'd probably say two things. First is data really has to be, especially in the you know background screening industry, you have to look at data in context. Um, we know that there's differences across the country in research processes, courts, um, you know, everything. And so you really have to look at everything within context. I mean, Kind of like you mentioned, uh, Wade Hudson and I, we just recently traveled throughout California. The, the courts in California have all kinds of um, limitations, for lack of a better yeah. word. And so we would expect to see, you know, higher turnaround time rates um, in the data for courts that are have severely restricted access, for example, like we saw. Um, so everything has to really be understood in context. So we, we try to keep that mantra in the back of our heads as we're preparing, as we're gathering data and as we're preparing reports. Um, and then the other thing I would probably say is that the data has to be kind of like I said before, digestible. So especially when you have large data sets and you can slice it in so many different ways, um, data has to be presented to the to the audience or to the you know the consumer of that data in a way that's understandable 
Right. Uh, we really try to shy away from just spreadsheets full of numbers to the maximum extent we can. If a graph or if some sort of graphic or map or you know whatever you want to call it um, could do a better job of really conveying that message. And so we like to use stuff like you know Power BI, for example. Um, and there's a bunch of other tools we use as well. But it helps tailor the, I guess, the information to the audience. Right. Um, and a frontline supervisor is probably going to want something different than a C-level executive um, in terms of, you know, format and that kind of stuff. So really like context, you have to give context with the data and it has to be in a way that can be, you know, digested or, or consumed by normal people. Yeah. Um, I know another big aspect is comparing the data to history to understand its context. Um, I know something that you've mentioned before. So like we may have a 96% on time rate right now, which sounds really great, but maybe last month it was 98 or sure, whatever. What so why is it declining? Yeah. Yeah. And those directional trends are something that we really look for because that really is the indication of um, if we're getting better or not. So, you know, the continuous improvement department, we try to measure everything we can to actually, you know, confirm uh, the impact of our actions. Yeah. And, and so truly, you know, looking at directional trends and, and building those out really helps. What are continuous improvements initiatives for the remainder of the year? Well, we have a um, kind of a long list of stuff we want to do. Uh, the way we try to work is we work in conjunction with the different operational departments. So they will come to us and say, hey, we would like to um, work on this or that. And then we say, okay, well, let us help you. So we have a few different improvement projects lined up with the operational departments. One of the big things we're doing though, is we're also um, really kind of tailoring an app for our researchers so that all of our researchers are able to go to the court and use our, uh, our newest version of, of our proprietary app. Um, so that's a big one. And, and our project manager is really taking the ball and running with it. And so that's going to be huge for this year. Uh, we also want to get out and really document more courts, especially the most problematic ones. Right. Um, you know, we've got a lot of good information traveling through California, all these clerk assisted courts, you know. Um, so really, I would say focusing on our proprietary app and truly like problem solving at the court in person. Yeah, I think that the app sounds super exciting. Um, it would be a game changer really just for like the time involved in our research process. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see that actually when that gets done. Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, uh, we're using it in kind of a beta stage right now and it's already proven very, oh, cool. very beneficial. So it's exciting. Anytime you can speed up, a manual process is kind of like, uh, you know, the jackpot for us. That's what we most enjoy doing is automating the manual stuff. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Alrighty, to wrap up, um, what is your favorite part of the job? Um, honestly, my favorite part of the job is probably um, doing the stuff like just got back from California doing, working with our operational departments kind of um, in getting out into the field. So getting out into the field with the people doing the work and problem solving from there is probably the most enjoyable. Um, and you get to meet a lot of good people and you get to 
you know, being present and physically seeing what's going on is a lot different than, than talking about it. And so really putting eyes on processes is what's fine. Awesome. All righty. Great. Well, um, that was really informative. Thanks so much, Matt, for joining me today. Thank you. It's great having you. Um, And for everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Mm